Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you if people send you the same generic conversation starters they message everyone else? Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Before we get into the show, fun fact, this podcast was born out of a newsletter that we started way back in 2012. People really seem to like it, and we think you will too. It's a quick hit list of 10 things we've discovered recently that we love. Everything from recipes to beauty products to books to tools to truly anything that excites us. We send it every Monday. We do take some holidays off, and it's free. Sign up at a thing or two hq.com. Here's the show. Welcome to A Thing or Two, a deep dive into stuff we think more people should know about. I'm Claire Mazur. And I'm Erica Cerullo. If you want more where this came from and want to support us in general, head to a thing or two hq.com and sign up for Secret Menu, which will you weekly access to members-only content. To share your thoughts on this episode or anything at all, leave us a voicemail at 833-632-5463 or DM us on Instagram at a thing or two hq. Also, thank you for listening. You know, oh my gosh. I feel like we don't say it often thanks. enough. Yeah, thanks. I've just been very touched by our podcast listeners lately, some of whom leave us like really sweet voicemails or DMs or emails just saying how much they enjoy it. And I got to say, we need that sometimes and we appreciate it. And hey, also tell a friend. Let's tell grow friend. this audience. Let's keep this thing going. <laughs> Let's keep it going. Let's keep yeah. it going. There was a day a few weeks ago where you and I were just like both in mm-hmm. like a real, like a real, like what's the point of anything move. Yeah. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And then someone gave us a voicemail that was like, I just wanted to say, I just really, this means a lot to me. And I was like, when we were both like, oh, we cried. Oh, we cried. No, we cried. I cried. I'll yeah. speak for myself. I cried. <laughs> there were tears. It was really nice. I needed to hear it. So thank you all. We've also been loving everybody submitting their own personal thingies on our Instagram account. It has been a delight. Why haven't we been doing this for years? I know why. Because we're dummies. Mm, Sometimes. (laughs) Every now and then. So yeah, we're doing a weekly call for thingies and it turns Mm -hmm. out y'all have good thingies and we should have been, we should have asked sooner. Yeah, of course. Of course you guys have the best thingies. Yeah. Duh. Speaking of social media, I finally got around to reading this book. It's called 10 Arguments for Deleting Your Social Media Accounts Right Now. It's by Jaron Lanier. I was introduced to Jaron Lanier by this GQ profile by Zach Barron in 2020. It was sort of like thick of the pandemic. It was super compelling. Jaron Lanier is this Silicon Valley veteran, total nerd. Like he he truly was around to at the beginning of the internet. He helped like before Silicon Valley was a thing that yeah that people called by that name or that the broad public understood mm-hmm. as a thing. Yeah, he's super kooky and. 
He, is he also, has a sort of off-gridder sort of vibe. A little bit, yeah. yeah. I mean, for as off-grid as you can be when you work at Microsoft. But I do think that there is an overlap there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, he is off social media. So yes, yeah, exactly. if that's what we mean by off-grid, he is definitely off social media. He does not use any Google accounts. He does, he does not use any, you know, accounts or internet that has a business model that he describes via the acronym BUMMER, which... I will do a bad job summarizing, which is essentially business models that rely on behavior modification that is paid for by advertisers and that sort of optimizes behavior modification in service of advertisers. And the thing I want to say about Jaron Lanyard is he, I think, is an extraordinarily good writer and does a really nice job breaking down what are ultimately like pretty complicated arguments and also a really sprawling narrative. Mm. And so what he sets out to do in this book is explain to the reader how social media is destroying the world. And it sounds kind of like pat when I say that, but it is what he does and he does it really effectively. And it's obviously that's it's a it's a lot to bite off, but it's a pretty short book. And he does it in a very systematic, compelling way that I think what he does is also take a lot of arguments that we are at this point, broadly familiar with, like, you know, if something's free, you are the product, right? You're right, the right, thing right. being sold. Yes. That, of course, we all know, but I think what he does a really good job is he draws out the greater implications of that. He starts to explain how, yeah, it's impacting you on an individual level, but that it's impacting us globally, politically, economically. And, and, while it is very bleak, he's optimistic that there are other alternatives. So I'm going to take you through a little bit of it. I couldn't possibly summarize There's a whole the book. entire There's book There's a whole book. There's a whole book. And I, yeah. I really want people to read it. It's really not that long. But so he's he's essentially like, look, the people who built the Internet, I was there for it. During that time, there was this super strong libertarian bent. And so we were all like, we couldn't possibly build in things like payment systems and places for individuals and like homes on the Internet for individuals because then the government will try to regulate it. And we need to leave it to the entrepreneurs, right? So mistake number one. Then we got to this place, sort of like when Google was getting off the ground, where Silicon Valley was super anti-capitalist. They mm. were anti-capitalist, but deified Steve Jobs, right? So it was this also quite contradictory. Like, <laughs> we you don't fuck, say. <laughs> fuck capitalists, fuck people who want to make money, but Steve Jobs is where it's at, Right. So they're like, one, we couldn't possibly make people pay for our services and we have to leave the technology open source. And this is going to be this utopia that we will build. Fast forward to how do you maintain that? How do you build a Steve Jobs size business off of that? You ask advertisers for money to continue to keep it free for users, right? And at some point, and I think he doesn't say this explicitly, but like in early social media days, it was a more transactional experience with advertisers. It wasn't as driven by behavior modification, right? The way that social media advertising has evolved, and I guess maybe how the algorithm has evolved, it is specifically predicated on its ability to modify your behavior. So in the book, he's like, let's bring it back to basics. Let's review Pavlov's dog, right? Same idea here. It is built on the fundamentals of behavior modification. And it is designed to anger you because the quickest way, the sort of most effective form of behavior modification, the most predictable form of behavior modification is through stoking anger and fear and frustration, right? So it will always ultimately find its way back to that. It is designed to be addictive through all the ways the original behavior modification experts like Pavlov and Skinner sort of 
determined that this is how it works. And so he's like, there's just no good possible ending from this, right? It has siloed all of us because also in addition to necessarily stoking outrage and fear, it silos all of us so we have no idea what the other person is seeing, right? Yes. There's that idea that like, oh, we all have the same internet or we're all on the same internet. Mm -hmm. And that's just not true. It's simply not true. One really compelling point that he makes is like, I know we're all siloed and we've talked about this, but he he's like, listen, in the 80s, of course, there were people who disagreed politically, but you could have a sense of where your political opponent was coming from because you knew what the information they were getting. You could see what information they were getting. Maybe you were even getting the same information, right? Now we have no idea what the Marjorie Taylor Greens of the world are reading or being served by these algorithms. We can't possibly begin to meet in the middle because this we have no idea what each other are seeing. You can't have empathy if you don't know what the other person's experiencing, right? And it's funny because he's like, I turn on Fox News sometimes because I feel like that's important to actually at least understand how the other person got to where they're getting. Because without that, there's just no meeting in the middle, right? There's no reconciling this, which I thought was a really important point. I found it to be remarkably effective at helping me understand social media on a much bigger sort of ideological scale and that there is nowhere good it can go with this current business model. So here's here's my takeaways, what I think about it. One, an- another really important point he makes is like basically there is an alternative business model. We are putting all of this data in. We could be paid for our data, yeah. right? Yes. You could say, I want to be paid incrementally for the data that I am providing by using these services. And everybody could. And some people could say, I don't want my data sold and therefore I don't want to be paid for it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so there are other ways at this. And he he draws out some really interesting connections to AI and our fears around AI when, in fact, like AI can't exist without us putting all of our data into it. Like AI doesn't exist without us. We're, we provide yeah, yeah, the data yeah, 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 that yeah. drives AI, right? Right, right, right. We underpin that bitch. And we, who are so fearful of robots replacing us, are the ones who are giving the robots the data. So he, everything he says he draws back, he's like, this is why you must delete your social media account. It's not going to change until you delete it. And he makes an interesting analogy early on where he's like, when we discovered that lead paint was poisonous and was going to kill us all and social media will kill us all, he's like, we didn't just like wait around for them to figure out a better solution. We stopped using it until they introduced a paint without lead. That has to be our approach to social media. I don't think that's going to happen. Well, you know what? I, I think for a moment, too, like the difference is lead paint wasn't programmatically created for us to want more lead paint. Yeah, true. Where I have sort of placed all of my optimism is in thinking about cigarettes. Mm. Because one, they are, right, designed They're to be addictive. addictive. Yeah, that's, the, that's um, the premise. And I think that there was a time generations ago where you felt obliged to smoke to participate in modern life in a lot of ways. Probably, and that may be overstating it a bit. But, but but it was part of the social fabric, certainly. Exactly. And I remember being so shocked when I was given this heirloom. My, my great-grandfather gave my grandmother and my great-aunt monogrammed cigarette cases and was given these as a child. And I was like, how could he possibly, right? Like, it was outrageous to me that a father would give his daughters cigarette cases. And yet, that daughter would never have let her son smoke cigarettes. And I think it's like, yes, I am going to continue to use it. I don't think I will ever let Cam use it. Where I am right now, I like certainly would do not want to let him be on YouTube. Like I will see about where things are when he is 
13. But I, this book really got me into a place where I was like, yes, I am dependent and addicted. I don't think that means my son has to be. At this least is interesting. not until he's yeah, an, yeah. older. And, and I also think, you know, I, the other thing you think about cigarettes is like, I think there was a time, certainly when I was younger, I thought it was crazy that they would say you couldn't smoke in restaurants and bars. I thought that'll never work. This is, again, social fabric. We're, we're exactly. just like all conditioned. Yeah. College, there was yeah. just like constant smoking in bars. Of course. And, of course. Indoors. Yeah. It, it seemed just... unthinkable that you yeah. wouldn't. And now it's unthinkable that you would. And we got there. My one fear about why we might not be able to follow that same trajectory. We got there with cigarettes in large part because of regulation. Of course. And this book draws out so effectively why our government has been rendered so ineffective. Yeah. Why? And I don't know if our government can come together and pass laws around this stuff because it's just can't do shit at this well, point. Well, you know what? Like, you know what I always hope for in these situations? Hmm. That California will do something. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, that does yeah. seem like where all yeah. of this starts. I'm like, if just California can start, then because it's it's so much harder to create set these like separate yes bylaws for, mm -hmm. you know, each state. And so sometimes they just have, these companies just have to like cave to the state that has the strongest regulation. Thank you so much to Hero Bread for sponsoring today's episode. We go through tons of bread in this house because my child loves a sandwich and there are just not that many things that he is willing to eat. And I have to say that both Chris and I do this thing where we go to the grocery aisle and look at the bread and read the back of it, which surprises mm. me that he also does this. But you just kind of know that most of this stuff is filled with things you'd rather not be feeding your child. And it is shocking to me how much sugar is in even the healthy breads that you find in the grocery aisle. And Chris, too, like noticed this in a way where I was like, I just didn't think both of us were thinking about this, but I guess our kid gets enough sugar as it is. So when we linked up with Hero Bread and they sent us the product to try, I could not believe there are zero grams of sugar in this bread. It is such a relief. I'm like, okay, done. It's also just good bread. It's fluffy. It's soft. It doesn't get weird and sort of that weird refrigerator texture when you refrigerate it. It's just a good, healthier bread that I can feed my kid. It also has protein and fiber in it, which again, like he gets none of this stuff in his normal daily daily routine diet. <laughs> so I just feel so good about this company. I also like it. Chris likes it. They have, they also, they have more than just sandwich bread. They have croissants, they have hot dog buns, they have burger buns, they have tortillas, all of it, all of it, all of it. Exclusively for a thing or two listeners, Hero Bread is offering a special 10% off your first order with the code a thing or two at hero.co. Again, the code is a thing or two for 10% off your first order of Hero Bread. Be sure to check out the podcast description for more information. I'm Eileen Kelly, and I'm the host of Going Mental. After struggling with these incredible highs of a booming career and then the unbelievable lows of losing my mental health, I voluntarily admitted myself to a psychiatric hospital. I ended up staying over five months, learning not only how to better manage my symptoms, but also just get my life back on track. So I'm here to say that no matter where you are, you're not alone. On my show, Going Mental, I'm going to be talking to guests about their own mental health journeys, as well as talking to professionals. New episodes every Thursday, and you can find Going Mental on Dear Media anywhere you listen to podcasts. Going Mental all of the time. I want to talk for a minute about someone else who's doing some interesting thinking and writing in this space, mm -hmm. this guy, Cal Newport. Yes. So he, I read 
most of, not all of, a book mm-hmm. that he wrote called Digital Minimalism that feels like a companion piece to this Jaron mm-hmm. Jar- Lanyard book. Mm-hmm. It's maybe a little bit less fierce and more forgiving both of us and of the companies that are creating mm-hmm. this stuff, but also a less gripping case. But my favorite part of it was that basically the idea that like we don't know the role these things are going to play in our lives mm. when they're introduced. Like there isn't like destiny and these things all happen so quickly and we accept them as immutable, which is sort of nuts. And his example for this, he talks about the original iPhone when it was introduced. It was meant to be, it was meant to be like the pitch was ostensibly, it is an iPod and a phone in one. <laughs> basically during Steve Jobs's Apple keynote, He said, these are the quotes, Mm -hmm. it's the best iPod we've ever made. Amazing. And the killer app is making calls. Wow. And it isn't until 33 minutes into this presentation that he talks about texting or mobile internet or any of the things that are like now the core thing. thing. Exactly. Mm -hmm. It's fascinating because I do think we've get so suckered in and we're like, well, this is just the world we live in. This is how it works. This is the thing that happened. But it wasn't four years ago. And why did we all just accept this as this foregone conclusion? I have not read this book, but you pointed out that my my favorite interviewer at The New York Times, David Marchese, interviewed this guy, Cal Newport, for his column. And Cal Newport talks about how email even, like he doesn't think we've figured out how to use in the most effective way. And that we'll probably look back and be like, I can't believe we used to use it that way and make some comparisons to inventions 100 years ago that it took us 30 years to figure out how to use in the right way. It gave me so much hope. Totally. Yes, yes, yes. So his this book basically makes a case for taking this wholesale tech hiatus, like in a kind of like whole 30 mm. way, and mm. then bringing back the things that serve you but that are like the very best options for serving mm. you. And you have to have done that thinking, which I thought was interesting. So there's ba- there, like the, an example being, don't be like, well, I have to be on Facebook because I want to see photos of my nephew. Right. Because instead, maybe the best case scenario is that you're just FaceTiming with your nephew once a week or something. Mm-hmm. 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 Or there's like a shared album on your phone that yeah. you're getting photos of your nephew dropped into. Like, do yeah. you need to be on this entire platform that is collecting your data and tracking all that you do and that is sucking you into all kinds of things? for this one thing that is like bringing value to you. Yeah. Anyway, all right. Well, we should bring on our guest. We should. Carla Welsh, huge deal celebrity stylist. Like she works with Justin and Haley Bieber, Tracy Ellis Ross, Olivia Wilde. She teaches a master class on personal style. She's also the founder of The Period Company, which is all about period underwear for everyone. And beginning this month is available at Walmart. This is just an absolute thrill. Indeed. Hi, Carla. Hi. Thank you so much for being here. I feel like we are recording this in the middle, the like murky, gr- gross middle of award season. And this episode comes out the week after the Oscars. Um, oh, so, yeah. When this comes out, you will be through mm-hmm. that. So congratulations. Right. Congratulations. Congratulations to your future <laughs> self. I'll take it. Yeah. How crazy is an award season for you? What does it feel like? Um, You know what? It really depends on if you have someone in the mix, like mm-hmm. if you have a nominee, especially if it's like, Peak crazy is when you have like a female mm-hmm. client who is nominated. Then it's just like right crazy. This year is less. I do have a female, but she is a nominated okay. director and best picture. So it's a little less mm-hmm. pressure, but we just realized like we're so close now. And now is when like all of Hollywood starts to celebrate. We are um, ramping up for mm-hmm. Vanity Fair and then the presenters. And so, and everybody thinks it's, like 
the most important thing in the world. So you mean it's not? <laughs> and it is <laughs> clearly can you imagine. So yeah, so it and for some reason, all this other work is piling on top. So it's it's chaos. But it, this one's not being it's not okay. being that bad. We've only had one weekend where we're like, oh, yeah, right, 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 right. Remember, remember what it's like. Mm-hmm. How many people are supporting you in your styling business? I have two amazing full-time assistants and then we have about two interns and then that our does not tailor. feel like enough to so, me. I, I'm no, like, it's not enough. You know what? <laughs> Here's the thing about okay. styling is that you're hiring me. Yeah. And, and my team, they're amazing. They're coming to make sure right. that I'm taking care yes. of them. So it's still such a hands-on process. Like I do every fitting. I, I won't mm-hmm. dress people. I'll dress like one person for like the yeah. day of the ceremony or you know, more if we need to, but my work is right. done all in advance. So for me, it still has to be so my stamp on everything. It could be, it's the one business where you can't super, de- like I can delegate everything like, Hey, here are the 20 looks I need mm-hmm. you to go get for me. Mm-hmm. But ultimately it's still you shouldering so much, you know, of like all the create, all the creative decisions are still me. All the fittings are me, you know? So on top <laughs> of all of this, you decided to start the period company. Correct. Can you tell us the origin story? So the origin story is uh, my child got their period really early and I was like a disaster. And then I was embarrassed. I was a disaster because I was like, this shouldn't be hard. I'm a feminist. I'm like a power woman. Like this should be like so manageable. And it really wasn't. And I thought, oh, God, this is so horrible. This little kid has to manage pads at school. This is not right. And, and there was period underwear on the market, of course. And I had just a fundamental problem with how expensive it was. And I Mm. didn't think it was like the greatest product. Like I didn't, I think I thought it was a backup. Like I thought it was genius actually that there was this thing that could back up your leaky tampons because they Mm -hmm. always leak. I was like, you know what? And then they ruin all your underpants. And they ruin all your underpants. mm -hmm. It's like, there's no perfect period product. Yeah. And I thought, well, I'm going to make an underwear and I'm going to make it so absorbent and I'm going to make it so easy for my kid. And then I'm going to make it so affordable that anybody in the world could say, actually, that's the way I want a period. And I can totally, it's cheaper than pads and tampons and great. So that's what we did. And at the same time with Clem, I was having my own period and I thought, oh my God, I'm making so much waste. This is so gross because you know pads and tampons mm-hmm. never yeah. decompose ever ever yeah. the first one you use and the first one your mom used and the first one your grandma used is still on the planet so lovely perfect so then that's when I teamed up with my founding partner Sasha Markov she's this amazing CMO and she's like well you know what we should really do too let's rebrand the period because it's gotten a really bad rap thanks to men and thanks to advertising for the last, you know, 300 years, 500 years, how many, you know, probably a couple hundred years. So that's what we set out to do. And you have pee underwear, which for me personally is huge. I talk about this all the time because can't believe more people don't talk about it. I had a kid and now I cannot go for a run, which is something I do every single day without peeing myself. I've tried the physical therapy. I've done all the things. It's still an issue. I'm not going to stop running because it's my sanity. And I don't want to wear a pad while I do it. I also don't want to have huge, you know, pee marks on my pants. And having these underwear on the market is just a fundamental game changer. And by virtue of putting them on the market, you're 
talking about it. You're putting the problem out there. You're addressing it in a way that it is. I cannot believe how far behind we are in addressing it. We're so far behind on it. And like, yeah. exactly. I've had a kid too, you know, the sneeze mm-hmm. and you're like, Oh yeah. geez. Like, mm-hmm. and it's just gonna, it's so common. And we didn't really tap into pee until my mom was like, Oh, I literally wear them every day. These are the best thing for me ever. So that is a real kind of area we're going to go hard in. And it's the same conversation. Like we can't be, yes, of course we have to do mm-hmm. our pelvic floor exercises and, and that, but like, we can't be yeah. ashamed of that happening. And, and mm-hmm. for us, mm-hmm. when it comes yes. to kind of even that, right. you know, fucking a diaper, it depends that yeah. is so expensive. It's only, you're only able to use it well, once. And the taking like, it on and off and like all of that is such a challenge for people. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, especially for men. So we're going to go in the next, that's a big plan for, you know, later on in this year is to really kind of develop that side of the business even more because we've just put it out there like, hey, this is an amazing solution for this. I'm so happy to hear that. Thank you for putting this stuff out there. It is tremendously meaningful. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for using it. I'll send you more. Do you write, run in our little thong? It's the great. idea of running oh, in a I thong is it. crazy to me. And I looked at it on the website. And I love a thong. You don't like a thong. I like a thong. I love a thong. You don't run no. in a thong. You run in a full I do underwear. with the panty lines and everything in my... But then don't you have to tug it out? Like the thing is, it's already going to no, go in your butt, No, right? I think it doesn't go... I don't know. Maybe it's the way my butt's shaped. Maybe because I have a flat butt. I don't know. <laughs> That's great. Okay, I'll send you a bunch. I'll send you a bunch of our like our sporty. Our sporty's pretty great. Uh, maybe it's the way your butt. Uh, who knows? Perhaps. You know, everybody's got a different butt. You know what? Who knows? Whatever, whatever <laughs> works for you. Is what I had no idea you. people yeah. were working on thongs. Thank you so much to Fast Growing Trees for sponsoring today's episode. Last spring, I had the most wonderful plant buying experience, maybe of mm. my entire life. Like, wow, unique plant buying experience. So I wanted a lilac bush, but I wanted like a slightly bigger one that was going to like really like take off that year. Like I didn't want to like be waiting. And I ordered a lovely little lilac bush from Fast Growing Trees. Her name is Bloomerang. Bloomerang. This is... Is this like Beanie Babies where the company names it or you named it? Oh, no, the company names it. This is like if you go to the Fast Growing Trees website and search for Bloomerang, you too can have your own. Um, And she showed up blooming already. Like she out of the box. She was like already blooming. And her whole thing is that she blooms twice a season. Oh, get like that's, you know, Bloomerang. Get it? Get it? I get it. I get it. It comes back. Amazing. It It comes back. FastGrowingTrees.com's plant experts curate thousands of easy-to-grow plants, shrubs, and tree varieties for your unique climate, from Meyer lemons to evergreens and everything in between. Happy plants, happy home. However, I have to say it is very hard to know when you are plant shopping sometimes which plants will do best, and FastGrowingTrees.com does customized recommendations based on your specific needs. They have really thought this through. They know that people are coming to their site without being gardening experts or without having, you know, in my case, a dad to call to be like, but which one can but I my zone seven? Yeah. <laughs> also, their plant experts are always available to help keep your plants growing healthy through the season and beyond. There's no more waiting in long lines and hauling heavy plants around. We all know that experience as well. With fastgrowingtrees.com, you order online and your plants arrive at your door in just a few days. And with Fast Growing Trees 30-day alive and thrive guarantee, you know everything will look great fresh out of the box. Join over 1.5 million happy Fast Growing Trees customers. Go to fastgrowingtrees.com 
fastfastfoodpodcast.com slash a thing or two now to get 15% off your entire order. Get 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com slash a thing or two. We wanted to take a second to make sure that there is another podcast other than ours on your radar that frankly, if you like this one, you're going to like that one. It's a classic. You may also like situation. Classic. Bad on Paper is a podcast hosted by Becca Freeman and Olivia Mentor. They are, they talk about a lot of stuff. It's very similar to ours. They're like good friends. They talk about what's going on in their lives. They're both writing books. They like track their creative projects. They just, it's a fun chatty podcast. I have to say this podcast is very good at books. If you are a reader, this is the podcast that turned us on to the idea of you long before Anne Hathaway was cast in this movie. Long before. Um, You have them to thank for us being (laughs) obsessed with the idea of you. I mean, I truly do kind of think a lot of people have them to thank for the idea of you coming into our lives in the way that it has and the fact that it's now a movie. Like, this is a very good podcast for keeping track of the book world. They also have a lot of authors on the show. They have had Robin Lee. They've had Nora McInerney, Emma Straub, Jennifer Weiner. They host a monthly book club, some other recent picks have included Before I Let Go by Kennedy Ryan and The Villa by Rachel Hawkins. Like there's just a lot to dig into here. And we're always looking for good book racks because they're weirdly hard to come by. The other thing I will say that makes this podcast extra satisfying is that Becca and Olivia are very good at Instagram and are, it just feel, it, it just kind of feels like you're constantly sort of tracking along with them and their lives and their, their friendship. So very satisfying. Listen, we highly recommend it. Listen to Bad on Paper. Carla, did you bring some thingies for us, some stuff you're excited about? Tell us, tell (laughs) us what you're excited about these days. Well, am I allowed to say I'm excited that the period company is about to launch in Walmart? Oh my God, that's huge. Yes, Yes. that's amazing. Yes, it's it's amazing. You know, we always were like, and we're only a two-year-old company. So remember when we met the eight, you have to go through an agency to get to Walmart. Like it's a whole Mm -hmm. thing. And they're like, listen, you're too small. And I looked at them and I was like, yeah, but we're going to get in there. And he was like, okay, let's try. And Mm -hmm. they were an amazing team. And we were about to launch in 530 stores, like in the next day or so. Which is, I don't think people appreciate what a huge undertaking that is for a company, certainly a company of your size and your age. It's not just about like, can we get enough underwear to fill the store and like figure out how to ship it? It is such a logistical operational barcoding it's case packs it's i had no idea like i like have learned so much stuff we made the best hire we hired a logistics expert like last year and that was like good work that's everything best money we could possibly spend but yeah that's it's exciting and i didn't know the statistic that 90 percent of americans live within 10 miles of a walmart Hmm. and our goal has always been like mass is the message we want to get as many people perioding this way and then, yeah, so, That's and then awesome. I'm going to keep going on period. Another thing, we're about to start a huge sustainability program in Hawaii as part of the mission vertical. Amazing. And we're just sending more and more um, products all over Africa to people who don't have access to anything, which is just kind of another reason for our business is yes. to really try to er- help eradicate period poverty in a s- sustainable way. What else am I excited about? I'm excited about all the exciting fashion that's been happening. I know that seems like no, a we want to know from no. what complete what fashion have you been excited about? Well, I just love. I almost love everything I've seen. I just love that there are all these beautiful wearable clothes. Especially a lot of American designers are doing great. Mm-hmm. I'm on this 
board of a, it's called Fashion Trust United mm-hmm. States, where we're about to give some pretty huge grants to young designers mm. to help them build their business. So I feel excited about that. Which American designers are you excited about? I mean, I love all like the boys. I love Ferenza. Mm-hmm. I love Kate. She's my yes. boy, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I love like all the little New Yorkers. I think Sergio Hudson's doing an amazing job. Mm-hmm. Probable. I don't know. I just, it feels exciting. I feel like I was just in Paris at the Saint Laurent show and that was exciting. Like, so that that's great. And what else am I super into these days? I don't know. I'm also into like finding balance and figuring out how to work from home more. Are there any tools or tricks Go you're ahead. using to work from home? Is there anything that works for you? No, I'm t- trying to take a lot of deep breaths. <laughs> I was like having a, like a rage, like stress before when I wasn't able to get on this. Part. I was right. Like, <laughs> and I was like, you know, you're not really helping yourself here, Carla. You need to <laughs> cool the fuck down. And I don't know, I make a lot of lists, but I'm just trying to like realize that I don't have to speed up time. Like I don't have to panic. I'm like, everybody's going to be okay. I'm trying to slow time for myself. I know it'll keep ticking, but if I just can not feed into that energy of going a mile a minute, because that's really what I'm used to, then it's better for everybody. Do you know that author, Jenny O'Dell, who wrote Mm -hmm. the book, How to Do Nothing? Yes. So she has this new book coming out on time. And I think it's like, sounds very up your alley. It's basically about how, yes, time, of course, keeps ticking, but we experience time so differently. Mm -hmm. And we experience the, the like urgent nature of the things that are happening in our lives right now, alongside the urgent nature of things like climate change. And we don't know how to reconcile those things in our mind. And so there needs to be this just wholesale rethinking of- Ooh, I cannot wait to read that. That, How to Do Nothing was such a good book. I mean, it was, it was, it was dense. I will admit, Mm -hmm. like it took me a lot of rereading. And I'll add to that. Do you, have you read Adrian Marie Brown's Emergent Strategy? No, no. Oh, you got- Tell us about that. Girls, this Tell is us. the book that cracked my entire brain open a few years ago. Really? Yeah. Okay. And we, you know, and attributed to her a lot of our thinking at period about, mm. you know, imagination and a new world and new ideas. And that if we say, hey, periods are great, then actually we can help shape our time here on earth. And she's such an incredible writer and emer- emergent strategy is just like I travel with it. I go everywhere with it. It's so, 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 so good. And then follow her on Instagram because she's the greatest. Yes. She's like, her memes are like up the chart. I'm just, so you'll, you'll see me call commenting on her stuff all the time. Cause I'm a super fan, okay, good. Good. but read the book because then like the memes make even more sense. Okay. Love this. You know, who else really inspired us in a sort of realm related to this or in this realm specifically is Sarah Polly, yes. who you also dress? Well, that's my director for awards. Yes. Oh, duh. She's of your course. director. Of course. She's your director. Yeah. Yeah. So we attended a panel discussion about women talking mm-hmm. with her and the stars and a producer. And she spent so much time talking about how intentional they were about the pace at which they were going to make this movie and how they just decided that that's mm-hmm. what they were going to do. And, and, made yeah. a better movie despite the fact that they decided to make what other people would see as sacrifices that yeah. other people would see as like leading to a better a, a worse movie right that they were like having to yeah. go home at a certain time and make room for people to emotionally process these yeah. lives and kids. when i tell you yeah. eric and i are not in the film industry we were like we're gonna go to this thing because we got invited and it's kind of like seems interesting but it's not relevant to our lives but it shifted 
are thinking about our own work in such a meaningful way. It just stuck with me so much. I'm so grateful mm -hmm. to have had to have attended it and to have her speak so much about this thing that like people, you, you don't get to hear about a lot about like when you're filming a movie that's about really sensitive stuff or working on a project that's really draining, are you letting people go home right. to see their families at the end of the night, right? Are you pausing to give people the yeah. space to process things? Well, or just like the idea is like, is there only this one way to do things? A hundred percent. Yes. That, mm -hmm. bravo. That, that, mm -hmm. that's it. You know, she, yeah. she's so incredible and, you know, she's a fellow Canadian. So I jumped <laughs> at the opportunity. Did you see the movie? I have not. Eric Hope saw it. It's just so much less depressing than I thought it was going to be. Can you, like, even the way she filmed violence was like, okay. Like, it's really, it's so beautiful. I thought it was the best film of the year. It was incredible. Yeah. It was incredible. But exactly. Why is there only one way that typically men have told us to do things? Be on set for 18 hours. Everybody's yelling at each other. Like, t like these directors who are tyrants. Like it's cutthroat and toxic. And yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's just like art doesn't have to be that and nothing right. has to be that. And she's inspired so many of my other clients. Like every single girl I work with is obsessed with Sarah and they and they talk yes. about the New Yorker which article. So good. Which Incredible. She yeah. really talked mm -hmm. about that, right? Where it's like, actually, yeah, you can work yeah. and then you can go home and then we can come back and do it again. It's just about being yeah. It's it's a choice. And it and it's a choice to be efficient mm -hmm. with your time and say hey and, and I that's a real I, I would agree with you like it was kind of a real game changer in my own life too where you're like yes this is how much time mm -hmm. I'm going to spend on this and then I'm going to be done with it yeah so impressive yeah all these smart cookies I mean all these smart cookies are there any things that like that real a real shift like any like beauty products snacks beauty products apps you're obsessed with any things you buy well, in bulk I yeah Okay, here we go. I'm obsessed with Haley's mm. um, thing. Is wrote. this the peptide thing? I was never. I keep hearing about yeah. it. You got This is so good. And it's not because mm. I like adore her. I would never have worn a lip balm in my life. It has really? changed my lips. Why would you never wear a lip yeah. balm? Well, no, I wear a lip balm, but this is like okay. a little more thick. Okay. Like it felt almost like a gloss. What does it do? It's like plumping. It's smoothing. It's plumping. It's mm -hmm. just nourishing. It just feels, and it has like yummy little Ooh. flavors on it. It's like, it just feels just absolutely incredible. Okay. Great. Um, I love the New York times cooking app. Mm, That's too. one of my favorite. Yes. That's I, one of yeah. my favorites. I think it's wonderful. What are you cooking from it? Mainly vegetarian stuff. We're pescatarians in our house. So like yeah. some fish dishes, but mm -hmm. just like that easy where they have that little section. What's easy? What can you make in 20 minutes? That's another thing I'm really trying to do. And I'm not necessarily succeeding is like trying to like just shop for a couple nights. And then uh -huh. there's no success story behind this. I'm not doing it. But in theory, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> I love looking at that app and just thinking about that food. I rely on it quite I'm, heavily. It's encyclopedic and you trust it. Totally. And so you're like. And it always turns out. Yes. And the commenters like that. Oh my reading God. the commenters is like a whole other experience. That's like oh, the, the like level up. Oh, oh, my God. Oh, my God. First of all, there's a great Instagram account dedicated specifically oh. to the commenters because they're so fucking unhinged, Carla. I <laughs> like some of it's genuinely yeah, helpful, yeah, of, of course. course. It's like being like, you should add right. more of this or you should do less of that or I would do. But some of it's just oh, like okay. people they're who think like that they're 
personalities on this platform. Weaving in a story of their ex-boyfriend to explaining how they modified by adding three cloves of garlic. And it's like somehow and, also their sob story of their breakup you know is in That's here. That's amazing. <laughs> that's like, you know what it is too? It's like, we are in this digital age and that's community for people. That is mm, someone totally. feeling like yes. they're able to, and I recognize that because like ultimately I'm a little bit shy and I'm a bit of a loner in my mm. own life. Like I'm not a loner, like I have my family insular. So having like yep. a community online, I feel very attached to the people who I know. And, and then to get to meet them in real life later is always so right. nice. But I think people comment because it gives them a sense of like, connection and that's why I always like and that's why I always yes. like if I have time yes. I might comment back but I definitely will mm -hmm. like like people sings and I love that person for saying that is there anything else a snack that I love and I'm sorry to anybody who doesn't live in Los mm. Angeles but like that strawberry glaze smoothie <gasps> that was Haley's smoothie and it's just called the strawberry glaze oh. at Erewhon is it's like $22 smoothie. I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed to say it. Well, actually I'm not. I work hard. I don't mind having this. That's smoothie. right. It's so freaking good. What's in it? I don't know. Imagine. I think also some peptides. Oh, I feel like okay. yeah, peptides. peptides. Yeah. It has coconut cream mm. and it has avocado. It has strawberries. I mean, Erewhon as a whole is just like my favorite place mm. to go to. You, you, it's, it's like a luxury grocery yeah. store, but Everyone's looking at everything in the display case. I want to eat it all. If you go to California in 2023, going to Erewhon's the equivalent of going to Disneyland in the 60s. <laughs> you like have you, have to, you have to visit. You kind of do. You know? institution. I take my parents there. They love it. They're like, yeah, just cruising the aisles. We are so we cute. are big grocery store enthusiasts. Like we will visit any grocery store. Oh, or, I love that. Yeah, just because snacks food, and like traveling yeah. on a vacation, going to a grocery store. That's yeah, it is. Even like when I'm in New York, I go to like Il Buco and mm -hmm. they have like their little like sundries and I like, I just want to take all this. And I'm like, why would I carry it across? The oh, country? I do. But, but I right. do too. I just got back from LA with five things of Brother Brothers products hummus and like a whole dozen <laughs> citrus and oh and also the salami from the farmer's market. My husband's like, what are we doing? And I'm like, I don't know. We get checked bags for free now. Yeah. yeah. I would like if you have anything to share about it your guide to the Erewhon prepared foods? Uh, well, what do I love? My God. Well, the call it buffalo cauliflower, obviously. Mm -hmm. I hear. Yeah. I hear this. I haven't tried it, but it's I've heard. It's so good. I love the kale and white bean salad. Mm -hmm. My husband and Clem love the big kind of white bean and tomato salad. Oh my God. Okay. First of all, but wait a minute. Have you guys been to Courage Bagels in LA? What? No, no, but I know about I don't. It. I don't. The long, I don't long know. lines. New York Times called it the best bagel in the world. Wow. Sorry. Controversial. Sorry. Wow. Yeah. Every New Yorker was like, wow. What are you talking about? Uh, <laughs> it is so delicious. In fact, I'm going to wake up really early tomorrow and go over there and get one. Like when I say really early, like be there at 7 a.m. What's the order? And what I want to know is, is, is it because it's so good because the bagel itself is so yep. good or is it the stuff that they're Chris, putting on the sandwich? Then it's oh, okay. chewy okay. and it's like not, it's like a Montreal okay. meat LA bagel. Okay. It's, it's so freaking delicious and I get to run it through the garden and it's like this on a burnt everything. Okay. And it's just so delicious. So like cream cheese, cucumbers, dill, capers, red onions. And then here's like the kick. They somehow have the most delicious tomatoes you've ever. Yeah. And it's not like, you know, it's not a winter it, it tomato. It looks like a tomato, like, but it doesn't I'm taste biting like into yeah. like yeah. something flavor. Yeah. It looks like, yeah. 
They are so juicy and delicious. I don't know what deal with the devil they've made to get like an, <laughs> a tomato that feels like it's a summertime tomato. That's a huge sell. That is a huge if sell. If you're in LA and we, you haven't gone to a Courage Bagel, you need to, like, I've waited in, in like over an hour wow. for one. And like, I am not a person who waits in line, like, which is so snotty to say, but I'm not. No, but, it, but it's like, the, but some people just aren't. It's an age yeah, thing yeah, yeah, too, yeah, yeah. where you're just like, I'm too it's old. It's an age thing, yeah. 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 Where are you on scooping bagels so that the fillings sit better in them? Or are you not doing? I'm that? not doing that. I'm just okay. doing exactly what they give okay. me. Well, and also, this is like more of a Montreal, so thinner mm. than like a New yeah. York bagel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We're not as puffed up. Anything else that we're missing mm-hmm. from your passions? Are there any other I'm books? You mentioned yeah. the Adrian Marie one, but are there any other books that you're really excited about? Oh, I just read Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow. Oh, so <gasps> good, right? Like one of the best books I've read in like a decade. It's like. I can't. I hope the movie's brilliant. And I know, who's going to make the movie of it? Do we know? I don't know. Oh, you I know. know. You know. Yeah. Of course. You I don't know. know. Okay. I'm sure. I'm sure a ton of people. I don't know. I don't think they've decided on a director yet. But. Okay. The thing about that book, it it's like an extraordinary book. But the thing that has stuck with me the most is I was not aware of what the sort of bigger picture idea behind video games could be of like these could be culture shifting these could teach people things they could be therapeutic that they could I offer literally something feel to like I'm a way. gamer now like yes. that I just develop a game yeah. and I was like mm-hmm. I was begging Clem to read it in fact I got two copies of it so because I was like let's read it together yeah because we used to do that when he was little yeah. and um he didn't but I'm like dropping all this knowledge right. like I have any from this book like oh so this analog gamer yeah like but kids love it gamers love it like it's such a you know it's a reason it's like one of the biggest industries on earth yeah it it like convinced me of that or convinced me of the power and value of that in a way that nothing else had yeah yeah Yeah, Yeah, i'm with you me too i'm with you 100 percent. it was like incredible does clem play video games yeah Yeah. okay like dungeons and dragons and all those things i don't know yeah. 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 I just yeah. read that Chris Pine is um, going to be in the Dungeons and Dragons or, or already was in a Dungeons and Dragons movie that's coming out. And I was like, oh, maybe I'll learn about Dungeons and Dragons now. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of amazing. Like I, when it like mm-hmm. I'm like of the OG generation when it came right. out, you're like nerds. <laughs> but, now, exactly. but now nerds that's rule exactly the world. Right. And then you're actually like actually they're just like the most amazing kids with the most amazing imaginations that like Yes. are escaping a little bit and are finding great pleasure from stuff. And I'm like, that's rad. And catharsis and like therapy and community. And yeah, yeah I mean, they're so much smarter than like, you know, who's I hanging out with like right. athletes? Come on. <laughs> Carla, this was an absolute Truly. delight. Thank you so much for coming on. We're so excited to try out every oh period company product. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. This has been a production of Dear Media, and we are so grateful to the talented team over there for helping us make this podcast happen, especially to our wonderful producer, Ali Slice. You can follow us on Instagram at a thing or two HQ. And if you have ideas for our show or want to advertise, email podcast at a thing or two HQ.com. Find show notes and sign up for our newsletter at a thing or two HQ.com too. If you love the show, consider supporting it by signing up for a secret menu also at a thing or two HQ.com.
please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.